We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to another edition of Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. On tonight's show, we're joined by the Athletics' Hugh Kellenberger and Rivals.com's Cole Patterson. We'll get to those interviews in a minute. But first, I'm going to tell you about Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Different names, same great products and services. It's cold out now, but you guys know the routine. It's going to get hot as the spring rolls along. You want to make sure that air conditioning system is ready to go when the cold air leaves and the warm air rolls in. To do that, just get in touch with our friends at Comer and Southern. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, DeSoto County, that area, call our friends at Southern, 662-429-4429. This will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast. The Oxford Exxon, located on Highway 6 West in Oxford, just next door to the Oxford Crystal, where you can enjoy the new Sunriser made with the largest round sausage. The combo is just $5.99, a great value to start your day right. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for my friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. The rest completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today. Uh, Corey and the people at Clark Ford, they want to be your car guy, they want to be your truck guy. They'll prove that to you with the sale, with the service. Uh, The relationship does not end when you roll off the lot. In fact, it's just beginning at Clark Ford, 662-257-1900. Hugh and uh, Cole join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive, or you're wanting to put your career in your own hands, maybe you're an experienced entrepreneur wanting to diversify, Andy Ludicky can help. He's a longtime Rivals board member, a diehard college football fan, franchise veteran. He owns multiple franchises and businesses. He uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy 
put your life and career in your own hands. It's 100% free. You get nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net or contact Andy anytime at andy at myperfectfranchise.net or 404-973-9901. So uh, first up on the show, I spoke with Rivals.com's Cole Patterson. Cole's a national recruiting analyst focusing on Texas and Mississippi. We discussed Sunterine Perkins. Aiden Williams, Jamarius Brown, Kedrick Riscano, several 2024 targets inside Mississippi, and much, much more. I think you'll enjoy it. Here is Cole Patterson on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. Cole Patterson, Rivals.com National Recruiting Analyst, focuses on Texas and Mississippi. Been in Mississippi a bunch the last few days. I think just kind of got out of Mississippi and back home. So, uh, Cole, really appreciate the day after uh, National Signing Day, the second part of National Signing Day. Appreciate you giving us some time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, there's an ice storm out here in Dallas where I'm based out of. So it kind of delayed my uh, return to Texas. But, yeah, I was just in Mississippi. Yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. First, um, Obviously, Rivals has had a lot of uh, turnover over the years, which is just par for the course. Um, I think you've done a terrific job. I've been telling people this, that uh, it's been it's been good to have somebody who knows what he's doing, kind of focused on Mississippi and getting around, actually getting into the state. And You know, we were talking about what I thought were you weren't. I was. I was telling you about it. I don't want to put you in. <laughs> I don't want to put you in a bad spot. I've. I, I, in the past have felt like not an anti-Mississippi bias. I don't think it's that at all. I think it's just been the football on film sometimes from Mississippi looks different than the football on film from Dallas or Atlanta or Houston because there are fewer players. The, the, the coaching might be a little different, certainly the more rural areas of Mississippi. And I think sometimes some of the players pay for that a little bit. But I, I know that uh, I know you have a different viewpoint on it. We saw it with uh, and so the rest of rivals too. Uh, Sunterine Perkins uh, climbed his way through the the ranks and uh, got his fifth star, which I think most everybody felt like he deserved. And you guys did too. And and um, so kudos to you for doing it the right way. And 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 thanks. Um, tell people a little yep. bit about your background, how you got to to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so. I guess I'll cut right to the chase. You know, I, I went, I was working in the recruiting department at Mississippi state. Uh, I'm sure people listening probably won't be too thrilled to hear about that. Uh, I understand, but you know, I worked there. Uh, I guess that was the two years of the Joe Moorhead era. And in the very first season of the Michael Leach era, um, you know, I was, you know, we were grinding film. We were writing scouting reports. We were working junior days, game day visits. So it really gave me, I've always grown up a football fan. Um, I've always followed my dad's from Pastor Gula, so I've always paid really close attention to the state of Mississippi. Um, I remember, um, you know, missing school to watch ESPN's recruiting coverage and all of that. And I always remember thinking that there's good talent in Mississippi, but they don't get the, you know, recognition or the spotlight that Texas, Florida, California do. And don't get me wrong, I love, you know, I'm based in Dallas, like I said, I went to high school out here, um, I have family out here. I love Texas. Football is king out here. Um, but, you know, working at Mississippi State, being able to see, cause, you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss to a degree as well, they recruit a lot of in-state guys. And so you're watching all this film, watching these players come from different backgrounds. And 
Um, so I worked there for three years. I've always talked to Wright as well. Um, and an opportunity at Rivals presented itself. I started out you know, mainly focusing on Texas, um, you know, out here in Dallas, especially in the Metroplex. And then another opportunity opened up where I was able to, you know, parlay that into Mississippi. So I've been doing that. Um, so I, I think I was in March when I first started really going, you know, head first into Mississippi. Um, based in, you know, if in Dallas, it's kind of hard to get out there as much as I like to, but uh, as of recently, I've been able to get to get out more and see this, see these kids up close. I saw Perkins up close. I saw Aiden Williams. He's another guy um, um, that we really liked. So that's kind of my bracket background. I worked at a college football department. I've always liked to write and being able to do this kind of allows me to do both. Yeah, I think having the the background inside of an SEC program is really good because it's going to enable you to better answer the question I'm about to ask you, which is, yeah, uh, Ole Miss obviously thrilled about uh, Perkins, uh, his upsides off the chains. Um, yeah, how quickly you've seen him in person, you've mm-hmm. gotten a chance to like look at him, look at his frame, all that stuff. How quickly in your mm-hmm. mind can he step into an SEC defense and contribute? I mean, he looks. He looks like an SEC linebacker already. You know, that's kind of crazy to say. He's coming from small town Mississippi, but he looks like he can step right in and play um, really from day one. And I think what's going to help him is, you know, he's, he has that familiarity with Pete, Pete Golding, you know, coming in from Alabama. That's who they really wanted him in Alabama. I still remember there's a point in the summer, especially when there's a lot of the talk was he was going to flip and he'll go here, go there. And almost is able to hold on to him, which I think is a huge win. Um, even if we, even if he wasn't ranked inside five star, which he obviously is, I would still think he's a day one contributor. Now that he's a five star, he's kind of got that feeling to his name that he deserves. Um, and uh, for those listening, you know, we try to do our best at Rivals and really the entire recruiting industry, but especially at Rivals, we rank thirty two five stars, and we do that because we wanted to line up with the first round of the NFL draft. So if you're a five star player, we think you have first round ability. And that's Perkins to to a T. He has that first round, you know, frame. He's the first round athletic ability, and then the film kind of all, all blends in together. It makes it a perfect piece of the puzzle. Um, he reminds me a lot of two guys. Uh, one of them being Willie Gay, you know, playing in the in a, the Super Bowl. If I say NFL championship, the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the linebacker out of Starkville. And then also Harold Perkins. Um, I was no about relation. to ask you about Harold Perkins because people <laughs> make that people make that comparison, and yeah. I'm always like, I wonder if that's just kind of lazy because there's some recency bias, and and they've had the same name. last name, right? Yeah. But, but more and more people are starting to say that, mm-hmm. and like Ole Miss people know Harold Perkins well because Harold Perkins single handedly shut down Ole Miss's yeah. uh, offense yeah. in the in the second quarter of of that game in in, in Baton Rouge. So you're making that comparison. In, in what way do they remind you of each other? In a lot of ways. Uh, so I did get to see in Texas, you know, Harold was one of the guys I went down and saw as well. I saw him play one of his high school games his senior year. And then again, in Orlando at the Under Armour All-American game, the dude's just different. And I get the same thing that uh, Perkins go to Ole Miss as well, that both of them, you'd almost think they are related. You almost think they are like, you know, brothers or cousins because of the last name, but also because of the frame, because of how impactful they are on the football field. What I really like, I'll throw in Willie Gay as well. What I really like about all three is that they play running back. They start at running back as well. Uh, there are a lot of people out here in Texas who think he thought Harrow could have been, a, you know, one of the elite running backs in the nation. If that's all he focused on. I think the same sense there with uh, Perkins as well, going to Ole Miss, is that he could play both sides. And uh, I think that really helps him. You know, I think, first of all, it lets him 
kind of showcase his talent on both sides of the ball. Second of all, I think there's some more untapped potential in his game. If, if you get him in a college weight room, if you get him only focusing in that defensive scheme, I think he's going to take off. Um, but yeah, his ability to get sideline to sideline, get after the quarterback and stop the run uh, is really top tier. And I think that puts him in the conversations when the best linebackers to come out in recent years. Ole Miss, the last couple of seasons, especially this past season, really didn't have the depth at wide receiver that they needed to, mm-hmm. to do everything that Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss wanted to do. You've seen Aiden Williams. I know he didn't get the five stars, but he jumped up pretty high in the four-star area. Yeah. Uh, how? Give me a breakdown on his game and how quickly you think he could help. Yeah, in fact, I'm pretty sure we're the only service that I know of, without looking it up right now, um, that has him in the top 100. And not only that, we do have him in the top 50. I think by far the highest on Aiden Williams. And it's just his overall impact on the game. You know, he's not the flashiest receiver. You know, he's not the speediest guy, but he just gets open. He finds a way to get open. He has great ball skills. He dominates his competition like a top-tier wide receiver should do. Um, he's got good route running. Um, I did. I was not in attendance, but, I, you know, talking to Adam Gorney, the National Director of Recruiting out here, who loves Aiden Williams. He said that in the future 50, you know, the Under Armour Future 50 event in July where all the guys went to Under Armour All-America game. Aiden Williams was consistently getting open, consistently beating guys to go into, you know, Texas and Alabama and make it look easy. Um, you know, I've I've heard some, some people say he kind of plays similarly to George Pickens, just like his, his ability to go up and get the football, his ability to get open. Um, he's not going to beat you with speed. He's not going to beat you with, the, you know, electric plays, but he can do that. He can beat you after the catch. You can't get open. I, we, we at Rad was just really like how he can fit in that Ole Miss offense, especially, you know, they're going to have, they're losing John Domingo. There's possibly an opportunity to come in and play. And he has the ability to do just, do just that. All right. Any of the other guys in this, before we move, kind of flip the page to next year and some other stuff, any of the other guys that Ole Miss signed stick out in your mind that, you know, you got a chance to see that you liked? Yeah, there's a few actually. Uh, I'll stick in Mississippi for this other one. Uh, Jamarius Brown, he's a defensive lineman out of Moss Point. I really like. Um, he's another guy, you know, kind of in the same mode, just plays both sides of the football. He was big dude, um, but he was playing quarterback at time at Moss Point. They want to give him the ball, and it's, I think that really just shows how athletic he is. You know, uh, he's a little shorter than I initially thought he was, but I still, I mean, I don't think that's going to be too big of a problem once he gets to the college. Um, once he gets into that weight room and put more weight on and, you know, fit into that scheme. I think he's going to be just fine. He's just, he can move all over. He can play detail. We play on the edge a little bit. He can do a little bit of everything. And I think we all know how good uh, the history of producing defensive linemen inside the state of Mississippi is. And then I'll go out to Texas. Um, could be butchering his last name, so stick with me. But uh, Kedrick Riscano out of New Caney, the yeah. uh, Ole Miss running back signee. Um, they flipped him for Michigan State. He's a guy that consistently take over football games on that in the, in the Houston area. Uh, he make it look easy. He can, get, he can get in the open field with ease. He can outrun defensive backs. Uh, we just saw what um, Chuckins just did Ole Miss as a freshman. You know, Zach Evans is going to the NFL, and Lane Kiffin loves using multiple running backs. I think he's a guy that can step in, maybe not make, you know, have the same kind of freshman year as number four just did, but I think, yeah. do think he can uh, – do you think he carve out a role and kind of uh, add that versatility, other add another dynamic in that backfield? So those are probably two guys that kind of stick out to me. There aren't many cats that step in and have the impact that number <laughs> yeah. four had. That's that's pretty rare. 
<laughs> I think, yeah, if, you could, I think was... if you offered that to Lane Kiffin again, he would inject that straight into his veins. He would. <laughs> I think everybody would. <laughs> yeah, that would, uh, he'd, he'd like that. Um, all right, you were just in Mississippi, and most of yeah. your attention, I think, was focused on this next class coming up. You went to the uh, the Mesh Media Day in uh, Madison last Sunday. And then uh, I know you were in the state. You went up to uh, North Panola. I guess that was to see uh, KJ Harrell and um, some guys like that. Just yeah. you can get as general or as specific as you'd like. Kind of uh, where all did you go? What yeah. who who all did you talk to? Yeah, um, I'm actually writing up a notebook kind of article right now that we either be posted tonight or tomorrow, uh, sometime this week, and you know I'll make sure to share, share it on Rebel Grove as well. But yeah, this 20, I think we were talking before we started recording, this 2024 class is loaded. It's, you know, I'm getting some similar to 2018, you know, 2016 vibes, you know, 2016 class was star-studded with Jeffrey Simmons, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, 2018 class, you know, Nicobe Dean, Charles Cross, all those guys as well. I think this class can be pretty high up there, um, not only with star talent, star level, I think with the depth as well. Uh, we're doing our rankings meetings here shortly, um, either in next week or two. And there's going to be a ton of guys that not only in conversation with four star, I think there could be, uh, you know, a player or two in that five star conversation. I'll start with um, Camarion Franklin uh, at a late Cormorant. Um, yep. Correct me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I always. No, you either got it or you're close um, enough. I'll butcher some names too, but I, that's, that's basically <laughs> yeah. right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, in the, South Memphis area, I went up there and saw him Monday, and he's just a guy that I've been really high on. Uh, reminds me a lot of Jeffrey Simmons, you know, who I just brought up. Just his ability to play on the edge. He's got that frame to play inside, um, plays basketball. He could dunk. He's just everything you would want in a defensive lineman, in my opinion. Um, I know Ole Miss is really hard after him, and he's a guy that they're gonna kind of honing in on, zeroing in on. But make, me, make no mistake, he's going to have a national recruitment. Alabama's in the mix. Tennessee's in the picture. He likes Texas and Texas A&M. But I do think uh, Ole Miss and even State to a degree are doing a good job of at least having his attention to stay home. Um, but he's, he's my top overall player. He's a guy that whoever wins out his recruitment is going to be getting a day one instant impact difference maker. Uh, but moving down to I was, in, I was at North Panola and I was at South Panola and I think Ole Miss fans should be interested in these two. It's J.J. Harrell. He's a wide receiver at North Panola. Um, I think there's four programs kind of emerging as contenders. You know, he has, he's not really in any rush. He was going to commit earlier this – or I guess late January. He kind of realized he was making too early of a decision. Um, so he's not really in a rush, but I do think Ole Miss is right there in the picture. Um, obviously just visited there this past weekend. He's really feeling the love. Derek Nix is doing a great job of building that relationship. Um, I'd say the four right now to keep an eye on, uh, Ole Miss, especially Ole Miss, but then you have uh, Mississippi State's right there. you got Alabama who's who offered him. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence they offered him, and that's when he kind of changed his commitment date. He kind of backed off of that right after he picked that up. And then LSU, LSU is a school that he's always, you know, dreamed of playing for. That's a school that he's – really high on but Ole Miss is right there and I think they can even be considered maybe not the front runner but at least in the in the drive I would say drivers to be you know they're, they're towards the top of that recruitment yeah. for sure um Julius Pope at, at South Vanilla he's a guy that just blowing up out of nowhere uh, neither in-state school is offered to this point just yet but Alabama Michigan and Arkansas have all offered um, I know Ole Miss has been by the school so I could see that uh 
I could see that changing really quickly as well. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say I don't want to go every, you know. No, more, no, keep going. You're, you're, names, you're giving but, the um, you're giving the recruiting junkies exactly what they want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I know how that is. Uh, it's one of those growing up as well, and just it's fun following recruiting. Um, and then you got I'll, I'll stick with the skill position players. You know, uh, Braylon Burnside was just a Ole Miss as well. Um, he's a guy that I think it's going to be a classic in-state battle between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Um, he's obviously a Starkville kid. Um, he trains and is tight with uh, A.J. Brown, so he knows that that history there. And um, Him and J.J. Harrell, two guys that really want to play with each other. They want to really want to play together. You know, J.J. is kind of the you know smooth receiver playing outside, whereas Burnside kind of gives me some, um, you know, Debo Samuel vibe just in the sense he's, he's really thick. He's um, got a great lower body and uh, can impact the game as a receiver and a rusher. He's a guy that Ole Miss and Mississippi State have both been recruiting for years now. I'm dating back to my time at Mississippi State. I remember he was on our radar. Oregon offered him as a freshman. So it's a guy I've known about known about for a while. Um, Terrence Hibbler is another defensive lineman in the state that Ole Miss is after. He's a guy that just blew up really out of nowhere. January entered with like, I don't think he had any power five offers, if I'm not mistaken. He goes into February having just about every offer in the SEC. Um, he told me Ole Miss is another school that's standing out to him as well. Um, trying to think. Uh, Jamonte Waller is another player down at Picayune who, if you turn on this tape, I'm not going to say he's this type of player, give these expectations on him. If you just look at his tape, he plays similarly to Micah Parsons. And funny enough, that's why he wears number 11. He's another name to know. Podcast brought to you in part by Johnson Hill, johnsonhillcreamery.com, Instagram page, Valentine's Day pre-orders ready to go by the dozen. You can get cannolis, macarons, chocolate-covered strawberries, brown butter, chocolate chip cookies. It is still king cake season, a lot of different flavors, including their new blueberry cheesecake. 24 hours notice to take care of that with Johnson Hill Creamery. You can order most of it right there online. Pick up for the Valentine's Day. It's on Valentine's Day. That's 10 to 5 o'clock open on that day. So johnsonhillcreamery.com slash shop to place your order today. Podcast also brought to you by uh, Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in uh, Madison, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi. They've got clients in uh, multiple states, uh, advisors in multiple states as well. So uh, if you, what they do is they provide detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. Investing is treated like a commodity. Uh, decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotion. It's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N wealth.com. Valentine's Day, about two weeks away now. If you are uh, shopping for jewelry, we highly recommend Lamins Fine Jewelry in Oxford, 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford, serving the Oxford area for three quarters of a century. Engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, watches, pearls, Children's jewelry, collectibles, and so much more. They've got it. It's the gold standard in fine jewelry. Visit them at lamonsfinejewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. Uh, we're also brought to you by ACS. ACS owned by Clay McNutt, the beast of Baldwin there in Baldwin, Mississippi. It's a complete electrical control system solution provider, a Rockwell automation recognized system integrator. ACS has a full-time dedicated emergency service and troubleshooting staff a UL508A panel shop. They can custom tailor software packages, custom design electrical control panel solutions, and much, much more. It's ACSLLCMS.com or call 662-601-4381. 
Game Changer patches are the only two-patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start. Warm-up patch used before or while you drink. The overtime patch used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all-natural ingredients will keep you in the game. Ready for the next play, go to GameChangerPatch.com, promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. Podcast is brought to you by G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area, and they offer MedSync to your prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you. One trip to the pharmacy, one delivery. You have everything you need when you need it with G&M. Again, they can transfer your medications easily. One call, they take care of the rest. Again, 662-236-2222. Jeffrey Rush, he was just an Ole Miss defense lineman out of Pascagoula. Um, Emil Picarella, he's not in the 2024 class, but he's kind of emerging as that target for Ole Miss quarterback in 2025. Uh, long story short, this class, these next two classes, but especially 24, I do like 25 a lot, but this 2024 class, I think, is loaded with difference makers. So take people through a little bit. We, we didn't talk about this before, but I think you're comfortable doing this. Just kind of, you guys yeah. are getting ready. You, you've already kind of done some rankings. You're getting ready mm-hmm. to sit down again and and talk. Kind of what's the process for how rankings happen? Like, how do you, how does kind of what what is it is it a round table you guys are talking whether it's by zoom or whatever and everybody just kind of shares some thoughts I mean, obviously you're intimately familiar with the kids from mississippi and texas your opinion is going to have some weight kind of how does that how does that work yeah for sure uh yeah we you know again on google meet we all kind of join in and collaborate give our opinions um it's pretty organized i'd say you know we do have like different spreadsheets and things like that where you can put in type in your notes uh put your rankings together you're able to you know, talk about who you like, who you don't like. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, there's people who have more pool or more, I guess our opinion matters, better way to put it, matters more if you're in one region or the other. You know, you don't want somebody that only watches California and West Coast guys to have input on, you know, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi guys. Because you, you don't see them, you don't, you're not really familiar with the schools, with the players, with, you know, the way of football. I know we were talking about how, you know, Mississippi football, just watching on film, kind of looks different than Texas, you know. They're not playing in um, gigantic stadiums necessarily everywhere. Uh, but, yeah, we all have our own strengths and weaknesses. We're all kind of able to bounce uh, opinions off of each other. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. There's this film. There's um, obviously verified athletic ability and, you know, times and things like that. Height, frame are all in consideration. Um, if, you know, seven-on-seven, seven, if you're able to see a wide receiver in a seven-on-seven seven tournament, maybe even outside of your region, uh, you're able to have an opinion there. Uh, these All-American games, towards the end, you're able to see practices, you know, the camps throughout the year as well. There's a lot that goes into it. But, yeah, there's a, you know, we all get on a call. We all kind of explain and push and, you know, talk about the guys that we that we like, that we think should be higher, should be lower. Uh, but, yeah, so it's, it's, it's an all-day thing, man. It's an all-day thing of, you know, brainstorming, kind of pitching what you've seen, what somebody else has seen, and, you know, going back and forth with each other. All right, here comes the hard questions. Uh, Beams, <laughs> Beams 8 Star wants to know, when are the national guys going to ask the tough questions about NIL to the kids? Recruits <laughs> are asking for big boy money and should be treated like big boys. Ask the tough questions regarding pay-for-play to the recruits and parents. So I think that's a fair yeah. question. How sure. all, How much when you guys... Because, look, here's the thing that people don't get. Um, more and more, and uh, I understand it. 
more and more the kids, the prospects, they have a hard time differentiating between team site guys. Like there's team yeah. site guys like me that handle things a certain way. And there's mm -hmm. team site guys who handle things a different way. And yeah. they have a hard time differentiating. And also mm -hmm. if they took every call, that's all they would do is mm -hmm. talk to people. Yeah. So they talk to guys like you because they realize mm -hmm. after a while you were in Madison, they've seen mm -hmm. you. Yeah. They know that, Hey, he's not an Ole Miss guy or he's not a state guy or he's not a whatever. <laughs> and I can talk to him. Yeah. He's, he's going to put the story out. So mm -hmm. it gives you a, a level of access that most people don't have. For sure. And B mm -hmm. it gives you a responsibility really to like be accurate, to get the story and you do a great job with it. But how often when you talk sure. to a Camarion Franklin, it's a great example, yeah. right? I mean, let's, let's not mm -hmm. be naive here. People are going to throw big sure. NIL yeah. packages at him. When you're talking mm -hmm. with him about recruiting, does that come up? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, that was actually a question I have asked, you know, recruits. Uh, I won't name any names specifically, but, yeah, I mean, I sure. think we can all kind of, you know, kind of put two or two together of, you know, the guys that are debating money and the guys that aren't. Uh, I mean, one of the guys who I did talk to this past week in Mississippi, he told me that, I mean, quite frankly, he knows he's going to get money from whoever. Like, you know, he's not naive that he's going to, he has that pool. He has that recruitment going for him that he's going to get uh, those opportunities. So in, in his mind, he's not really making that a big factor in his recruitment because he knows he's going to get it regardless. He's kind of looking at it at other things, such as how he fits in, fits in a scheme, how he, uh, how close it is to home. If he wants to study in this or that, uh, I think that's like a lot of what these kids are at least, you know, saying publicly. Um, I mean, I'm sure, there's others I've talking to as well, however, that want to, um, who are pretty open about it, who are, you know, yeah, this is my opportunity to cash in, so to speak. This is my opportunity to take advantage of the leverage that I have. And I do think it is, it, it's kind of different position to position as well. Um, obviously, you know, if we're comparing to the NFL, obviously NFL teams going to pay top flight money for a franchise left tackle or a, you know, a Chris Jones level defensive tackle or, you know, Patrick Willis, a linebacker. But I mean, um, I think quarterback more often than not, that's that guy that's going to get the money. He's going to, I mean, I think we all kind of heard of the, you know, Jane Rashada um, numbers <laughs> that we're throwing out, you know, whether, whether that's completely true or not, I, I'm not sure. But I mean, I think that's kind of what these quarterbacks are demanding. And I, I'm just not sure if a, you know, defensive lineman from a small town has that same pool, but yeah, I mean, it is a question, I think. I, I like the question that – that um, I forgot who the, the user's name, my apologies. But I forgot – I like that he posed that question because it is something that's important nowadays. It's kind of hard to ignore it. But a lot of these kids, at least the top guys, kind of realize that they're going to get those opportunities regardless. Uh, Hattiesburg Reb wants to know your opinion, if you have one yet, of uh, the Maddox yeah. brothers at Oak Grove. Yeah, so I was actually in Hattiesburg and at a Grove yesterday. Uh, so that would be Wednesday. So that's funny that they're both brought up. Yeah, um, Andrew Maddox, the younger brother, the defensive tackle, he looks like he's going to be in that same tier as, you know, a Kamarian Franklin, a Chris Jones, a Jeffrey Simmons, one of those elite, you know, blue chip, kind of can't miss defensive tackles. Um you know, he's got the whole nation after him. I know Georgia really likes him. Obviously, the two in-state schools will miss Mississippi State really like him. Um, I, I'm a big fan of him. He's huge frame. 
I actually saw him in July, trying to think back in July. Uh, and he was a big dude, you know, he's really big dude, kind of uh, wasn't sure how good he can be. Um, so coming and seeing him again this time around, still big, but he's trimmed up. He's kind of lost that, you know, baby or bad fat, whatever you want to call it. He's kind of trimmed up and looks more like that elite kind of prospect. Uh, and then Anthony, Anthony is a guy who I'm really, really interested to see how he develops over the next year in spring ball and, uh, you know, camps and then on to his senior season. He has he doesn't have a ton of experience, but the athletic ability and just the raw, you know, traits kind of drop jump off the chart. He can really he can move out of the pocket. He has a good arm. He's really good. He's getting better at his accuracy. And um, you know, Texas A and M is one of those programs that's kind of you know zeroing in on him. So I, I like both of them. And uh, while we're on the subject, that whole Oak Grove team is full of full of ballers. So there's a good little program down there. Yeah, to say the least, they've they've been pretty good for a while. You yeah. you spent some time last week and this week talking to Jonathan Davis. There's a question here from uh, mm -hmm. Bill for Rebs. He wants okay. to know how did Jonathan Davis fly under the radar? And uh, we'll start there. He has a twofold question. I don't know that the second part is one that you could answer as well as in, I'll, I'll throw it to you in a minute. I'll let you take a stab yeah. at it. But how uh -huh. do guys like Davis fly under the radar? Was it just kind of a late blooming sort of thing? So I asked him about that actually, actually, because I was wondering the same thing. Like, how does a six-five, three-hundred-pound guy? Why is he just now getting offers? And he told me that you know he hit a growth spurt. So that's one thing. He hit a growth spurt pretty recently. I'm not sure if that was this year or when that happened. He didn't really go into details, but he did say he hit a growth spurt, and um, that kind of helped him become the player he is now. You know, he's a basketball player. Uh, but he said he didn't really, he, he told me, he's like, you know, I'm from a small town in Mississippi. I didn't go to camp. So I didn't go to do all this stuff and that. Um, so he didn't really get that exposure. And I guess part of that, you know, I mean, we'll have to take the blame, you know, as media sites, we'll have to take the blame. I'm really hoping that, uh, you know, me being able to have more influence or not even more influence, more being able to do more work, I guess you could say in Mississippi, we're able to avoid that. I, th I don't think, um, I mean, we're not really, bring anything new here but you know ESPN or I don't even say ESPN specifically but you know any major media outlet is not you know trying to go to a small town in Mississippi you know just for no, the heck of it they want it it's easy it's easy for for guys to go under the radar and I think I think yeah. he, someone says here he grew five inches yeah since, he hit I a mean, growth spurt and he was set know, to play um yeah he hit a growth spurt he was set to play uh Juco football he told me he was all set you know um he, in fact, he told me his dream offer at one point because his mom, I think, either worked at the school or was right by the school, was co-in. Like he said, once he got that co-in offer, he thought he would be good to go. That's kind of what he was aiming for. And, you know, he was going to go to EMCC, and they knew he was too good. And that's kind of when things started to blow up. You know, he took an official – or it took a yeah, – I believe it was an official visit to Coastal Carolina and to in-state schools. But, yeah, it's just – I'm I'm wondering the same thing, man. Six six five, three hundred pound defensive lineman. Uh, if it wasn't for so, what he told me, one of the coaches, I guess that Juco gave Bo Davis at Texas a call. If that never happens, I'm not. I'm. I guess he, you know, ends up at EMCC, probably develops as a big time Juco guy. So yeah, I mean, it's especially in Mississippi, I'd say, but I guess it is kind of easier to fly under the radar than other states, just because the exposure and things like that. The second part of his question, so that he doesn't think I'm just completely skipping it, is um, 
<laughs> why didn't why didn't Pete Golding, former Alabama defensive coordinator, have more yeah. influence in signing um, Kennedy, Demoy Kennedy, the linebacker who ended up transferring to Colorado? I don't know. I, I my answer to that is I've reached out to Kennedy on multiple occasions. I never heard back from him. Um, Colorado just put together this massive yeah. overhaul of its roster, uh, a mm -hmm. huge transfer portal class, and obviously they they were uh, they were selling something that appeals. Uh, Deion Sanders, perhaps it's perhaps that simple. Maybe <laughs> yeah. it's, maybe it's maybe it's just the newness. Maybe it's the uh, the the fun of it. Maybe it was just an opportunity to go someplace else. I know that Alabama mm -hmm. at one point was trying to kind of hold on to him. Yet Alabama really didn't have room. If you told me that Alabama steered him a little bit towards Colorado instead of to Ole Miss, that would make sense. I get it. It just could be any yeah. number of it could be any number of things. I, I it's it could be an NIL yeah. package. It could be it could be anything. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, um, and I think it's just easier said than done. For I think we see it all the time when coaches take new jobs fans are kind of whining, oh, this guy's going to follow him, you know, be a quarterback or be at a, you know, be a star linebacker. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of factors. It doesn't always work out that way. And like you said, it could be NIL. It could be wanting to play for Deion Sanders. So what, what could be just wanting to get out of the SEC. There's so many different factors. And I think it's just too, too, it's not as cut and dry as one player falling as, you know, position or position coach or coordinator to a different school. Yeah, it's, just there's a lot the, the whole transfer portal thing is is pretty fascinating. I'm curious to get your thoughts yeah. here as I kind of search for more more questions because they the, mm -hmm. the the thread devolved into an argument about other things as as, <laughs> as threads are apt to do. Um, yeah, the transfer portal, and you see so many programs like Colorado, like Ole Miss, like Arizona State, like uh, LSU, even Arkansas. The list goes on and on of, of schools that are, are going heavy in the portal. How much is that impacting high school recruiting from what you're, you're able to observe in, in Texas and Mississippi and elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I think you're pretty, it's kind of like NIL, you're pretty naive if you say it's not impacting it at all. Um, I will say it, say it's like school by school, you know, coach by coach, program by program basis. I don't think there's any like overriding thing. I think like, you know, Frank Kiffin's obviously made a huge emphasis of attacking the portal. You know, he didn't really sign a huge, um, high school class. It wasn't the most loaded high school class on paper either, but he saved, you know, saved some spots for the portal and he did a great job, you know, especially a quarterback. I'm sure as you're very aware of, but, you know, he got the quarterbacks, two quarterbacks coming in. Um, so I think it's all a different strategy, you know, um, you know, Nick Saban, Alabama didn't really use it much. Texas, they got, you know, two transfers, but didn't really do much to it. But yeah, I mean, I think it is, you know, I you know, impacting the, you know, the mid three-star, the guy that maybe gets that offer in different years before the transfer portal. I think it's certainly impacting the JUCO market as well, unless you're one of those elite guys. Um, you know, I think coaches, especially, you know, Lane Kiffin, Kenny, you know, Dillingham at uh, Arizona State too, he took a lot of guys. So those, guys those guys are wanting to get impact transfers to have that, have been in the college weight room, know what, it is, know what it's like to play on a college level rather than taking a risk and having to wait two, three, maybe even four years, you know, redshirt year to, for a, you know, a guy to develop and kind of progress to where another portal guy is already at. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to watch the, how quickly the landscape has changed. Yeah. The, the way that, that rosters are, are built, 
you know, coaches don't have as much time as they used to. I mean, you see coaches get fired in year two. I mean, you know, there was more to it at Auburn than, than just what happened on the field. But, you know, once they, once there's a sentiment that you're not the fit, man, they'll run you. And so your, your ability to, to, you can only develop so many guys. You got to have guys that, that, that impact and you're, you're, it's exactly a totally different process now. And I'm, I'm, I'm in the, feel free to weigh in on this. I'm, I'm of the opinion. It's not particularly healthy for the sport. It's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think I think for the fan, there, there's there's going to be a fan element that they miss the guy that uh, a school signed as a freshman and he redshirted a year and then he kind of started yeah. to play and then all of a sudden, boom, he has the, the lights come on and he ends up being this you know two and a half three year starter that that you followed his career path for five years. That's not going to happen very much for anymore. Sure. It used to happen all the time. And then there's the other side too, and I agree with what you're saying. There's another side as well if you're a uh, if you get and develop that player and then they finally reach what you knew they could be and then they hit the portal and go to a bigger school. And we just saw inside the state, Ra-Ra Thomas, he emerged as a big-time receiver at Mississippi State and then he ended up at Georgia. I know Ole Miss was in there as well. And we see that a lot even you know, from the G5 to the SEC and um, from conference to conference, school to school. Um, no, I'm with you. I mean, you, it's kind of hard to imagine this you know, this continuing how it is, um, you would think there is kind of a happy medium. Maybe it kind of goes back down, but no, yeah, I think, I think for sure you kind of, well, part of what makes college football fun, especially for those fans is like you said, watching that, you know, three-star develop into a first round pick or, you know, something like that is kind of, you have a lot of pride or, and I, you know, if you just look at Twitter, if you just kind of, read the message board just almost like you can't become if you're a fan you can't really become too attached to a player because boom i mean if they get a better nil deal or if they see a better opportunity for playing time or maybe nfl track record then they could easily enter the portal and you know it goes both ways for sure but i'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you on the same opinion you mentioned texas you mentioned alabama two schools that did really well in, in recruiting they also we're able to successfully land defensive linemen. There's a concern among mm-hmm. some Ole Miss fans, including a firefighter Reb here, that Ole Miss did not land enough uh, impact defensive linemen. I've seen people say, hey, I'm really worried about Ole Miss's front seven on defense from a recruiting standpoint. Um, yeah. I, know, I know your job is not to evaluate classes. Your job is to evaluate players. But from what you've mm-hmm. seen, kind of a twofold question here. What did you think of the defensive linemen that Ole Miss added that you're familiar with? And then mm-hmm. uh, secondly, the you talked about you know Camarian Franklin and 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 Jeffrey Rush and yeah. guys like that. Just how difficult is it to get one of those guys? I mean, those are the guys that everyone covets, right? If it's it's right short of quarterback play, that elite defensive yeah. lineman that can disrupt the game, that can change a game. We saw it in the AFC Championship game. Chris Jones is the reason. That sure. the game, more than Patrick Mahomes, more than Travis Kelsey, yeah. Chris Jones is the reason that the Chiefs mm-hmm. are in the Super Bowl instead of the Bengals. Um you know, how, how difficult is it to get those defensive linemen? What is it that's making it, uh, is it just NIL that's making it uh, Alabama and Georgia and Texas and Oklahoma, those team programs like that that are getting those guys and Ole Miss is struggling to get them? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I guess the first part of your question is, like I said, we talked earlier about Jamarius Brown. I think he is a guy, be it his freshman year or not, I think eventually he is going to be a difference maker in that defensive line. He's a guy that we had in the top 200 at Rivals. Um, and I'm really high on, like I said, he played deep tackle, he played DN, um, four-star player, uh, 
And I think he he's a guy that can kind of, you know, make his presence felt in that Ole Miss defensive line. Um, and then having Perkins in that front seven as well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help a lot of things. Uh, you know, he's not playing in the trenches necessarily, but he's going to get in the quarter. He's going to get to the quarterback. He's going to get in the backfield. Um, I think Pete Golding is going to move him around really well. Uh, and then DJ Holmes, obviously the DM that they just got. He's another guy that I think is has a lot of upside. I'm kind of I'm pretty intrigued by what he can provide at Ole Miss. Um, and then kind of along the lines of your second question, I'm, I've always been, you know, like I said, I've always followed the state of Mississippi really well, or really closely, I should say. And I've always been fascinated by how well Ole Miss recruits wide receivers and how well yeah. Mississippi State recruits defensive linemen, but neither side can do the other. The other is it's weird. It's kind of head scratching. Um, it's always funny to think about if they had A.J. Brown and Jeffrey Simmons, if either program had, if they were one school or if both pro, or both programs merge or, you know, one side or the other, they, they would be unstoppable. You know, they'd have all this D-line oh, talent. It'd be, a national power. it'd be a perennial national power. No question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's always been head scratching. I get the concern because I know, uh, you know, a lot of Mississippi State fans who I've spoken with kind of uh, have the same frustrations about wide receiver. Why can't they get a wide receiver in, even when they had, were running the air raid? Um, but the good news is for Ole Miss, this 24 class and even even that 25 class as well has enough dudes. That, I mean, you almost have to try to miss on all of them. That's how many there are. I mean, even even um, if you move past Franklin, um, you got Terrence Hibbler, who's a guy that's really blowing up, as we mentioned. You got Jeffrey Rush, who's just on the Ole Miss campus. Kayla Moore, also at Oak Grove High School. He's got he's a guy at DN that's starting to see his recruitment heat up in a big way. I mean, there's just so many defensive linemen that I think are going to be uh, big-time difference makers in this class. That's not even mentioning Anthony Maddox or uh, Andrew Maddox, that defensive tackle. I think this class um, is going to give Ole Miss some opportunities if they still can't land one. I mean, I think that I think bigger alarms can be raised, but I mean. I'd even mention Jamonte Waller, the, the edge rusher slash outside linebacker at Picayune. Um, Ju- Julian Pope can probably play nickel, but he kind of move around. His body's still growing. He can, I could see him eventually moving into an outside linebacker um, if he continues to grow. Um, but there's just so many guys. I think I feel like Mississippi. Uh, I mean, these front seven guys grow on trees. I understand the frustration about landing the elite guys. I don't know if it's all nil because I mean. Ole Miss, I mean, they did get Benito Jones and guys like that, but they weren't consistently landing those guys before then. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what the trick is. I do think uh, Coach Joyner is a good recruiter. I think he does connect with a lot of recruits. Um, he's got some connections in Dallas as well uh, that I really like, and I think it's going to pay off for Ole Miss. Uh, I, I don't know. I think a lot of it's NFL track record. It's hard to turn down playing for Nick Saban at, and defensive tackle at Alabama. All of it's playing in big time games, and there's just so much that goes into it. I, I wish I had, you know, one answer to give you, but I will say I think these twenty, this twenty four and twenty five class will give Ole Miss some opportunities to kind of get that uh, ship going in the other direction. Podcast brought to you in part by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. Your national champions are back for another exciting year of Ole Miss baseball. You can show your support for efforts on the field this season by signing up for the Pledge Per Win and Pledge Per Home Run campaigns. Donations are charged every Monday. They're allocated into your blue priority points total and up to 90% tax deductible. You can sign up today by visiting give to athleticscom slash donate or call the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation at 662-915-7159. Uh, we're also brought to you by Corinth Dental. Um, 
Don't accept what you see, but imagine something new. Step forward, chase after a better version of yourself. Every day, Corinth Dental's helping people reinvent themselves. One smile at a time, Dr. Bubba McQueen, Dr. Jenny Beth Hendrick are devoted to restoring and enhancing the natural beauty of your smile using conservative, state-of-the-art procedures, including Invisalign. These clear aligners are the virtually invisible way to improve your smile, so call Corinth Dental today for a no-cost digital scan of your teeth. Let them show you the way to a straighter, healthier smile. 12 months, no interest, no down payment financing is available at CorinthDental.com. We're also brought to you by Service Specialist Staffing and Recruiting Agency. They've been connecting great job opportunities to candidates since 1967. If you're on the job hunt, whether you're seeking an entry-level position or you're a seasoned professional, they have opportunities across the board. IT, engineering, dentistry, accounting, law, manufacturing, human resources, and much more. It's also uh, a great way if you are looking to hire quality, hard-to-find talent, they can help you as well. Give uh, Will, Sydney, or Kelsey a call, 662-832-5138, or uh, check out their new and improved website at servicespecialistltd.com. I'll have a mailbag up tomorrow. It's brought to you by Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. She sells condos, land, commercial and residential family homes. 662-567-2573-662-842-3844. If you're coming to town um, anytime soon, whether it's for basketball or baseball or whatever the case may be, make sure you stop by OPA. It's uh, Oxford's new Greek restaurant on the square. It's a... Uh, Perfect place to enjoy a dinner, uh, fabulous food, craft libations as well, uh, candlelit patio, so much there at OPA just off the square in Oxford. And speaking of trips, if you're uh, planning one, maybe you're thinking about spring, maybe you're thinking about summer, maybe you're already looking ahead to a holiday vacation, get in touch with John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. John knows the extra attention that's needed to make a special trip, one that creates a lifetime of unique memories. Just give him some parameters, give him a budget, and he will give you options. And no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or send him an email, Edwards at regencytravel.net. Podcast also brought to you by Prime Shrimp, primeshrimp.com. Seven different flavors available for you, including their most recent, their New Orleans barbecue-style shrimp. It's fantastic. Their signature's fantastic. Go with pretty much everything. They've got spicy options, full meals in a bag, and their two-pound bags of individually frozen shrimp. It's a lot like what's at the grocery store. We separate higher quality from the New Orleans-based brand. New offer here for you now. Use code RG, that's in Rebel Grove, RG. They're going to offer 25% off five pouches or more with code RG. You can do that even if you've used them before. It's not first-time customers. It's anybody. So five pouches, RG, 25% off with primeshrimp.com. Obviously, we all mourn the loss of Mike Leach. Um with with Zach Arnett replacing him, they were familiar with what they Arnett worked for Leach. He's now the head coach there. How do you anticipate, if at all, Mississippi State changing its recruiting approach uh, inside Mississippi and in general? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, so uh, Chuck Arnett, he obviously was a D coordinator when Mike Leach was there. She's already familiar with the program, but he's done a uh, if you've been following, he's done a great job of hiring either, you know, guys that have played in Mississippi or have been coaching in Mississippi. You know, he retained Tony Hughes, who's a guy that's been at Ole Miss and Mississippi State for a while. Um, he brought back David Turner, the defensive line coach that recruited and coached, you know, the, those big 3D linemen, Chris Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, Fletcher Cox, um, Chad Bumpus, the wide receiver. You know, he obviously started Tupelo and went to Mississippi State. He's a guy that is back in coaching wide receivers. I think he, Arnett's definitely, he even spoke in, I know, seen some tweets and kind of uh, some different quotes from his press press conference, he, uh, signing day press conference. He was mentioning how important it is to win the state of Mississippi. And I just, it's another thing I've mentioned how fascinating it is to see how different Mississippi State and Ole Miss recruiting is from, you know, be it D-line or wide receiver recruiting, be in-state recruiting. I feel like both obviously put an emphasis on it. But um, you could tell Mississippi State, I think, puts more of an emphasis on these high school Mississippi kids. Where obviously Ole Miss wants to land them, and they're going to do their best to get them. But they're also using the portal. They're also not afraid to go to Florida or New Jersey for a guy either. Um, I think there's two different strategies. But I do know Harnett is – Gonna, he's going to make it tough for other schools, you know, be it Ole Miss or Alabama, to come in and get those guys, whether he wins those battles or not, you know, remains to be seen. But he's at least going to – his staff is built to kind of make Mississippi a priority. You know, you mentioned Derek Nix earlier who has recruited yeah. Mississippi forever and and frankly mm-hmm. is, is is undervalued, I think, by a lot of Ole Miss fans just because he's been there so yeah, long. His, his, his impact on recruiting inside the state. You talked about Randall Joyner. We mentioned Pete Golding a little bit. And we're starting to wind it down. I promise I'm not going to keep you much longer. Pete Golding. No, you're fine. Pete Golding was considered at Alabama an elite recruiter. I mean, um, you know, yeah. he, he was he was able to play a, a major role in recruiting a, a lot of five-star players to Alabama. Your opinion, I know we'll find out. I mean, over the course of the next year or two, we'll find out what his impact is or isn't at Ole Miss. But just kind of your opinion, what kind of 
impact will Pete Golding have on Ole Miss recruiting and how different will it be for Pete Golding recruiting to Ole Miss than it was recruiting to Alabama? Yeah, I mean, I think when you go from Alabama to any school, there's going to be an adjustment. But that's not to say you can't recruit well at Ole Miss. Um, I think Pete Golding, like you said, is a well-respected recruiter. He's kind of the guy that's known to pull some top-tier guys. You know, yeah, he did have Alabama in the mix for, you know, Perkins who they signed with Ole Miss. They couldn't quite get him. But they were in the game, and obviously Ole Miss was able to win out that battle. But I do think he's going to he bring some cachet, so to speak, on the recruiting trail. You know, be able to – you know, he can be able to show that he's, he's sent guys to the league, that he's been coaching in big-time football games. These crews take notice of that. Um, he's not a Mississippi guy per se, but he is from Louisiana, so you know, he's a southern guy. He kind of knows how to connect with these coaches and these players. Um, you know, he's talking to the recruits this past weekend, or this past week, I should say. They, they He was one of the guys they brought up at Ole Miss that they really liked. They, obviously, Derek Nix was brought up a lot. Um, I also want to throw out Sam Carter. He's another guy, the corners coach. Uh, no, I got yeah, to know, you know Braxton he for, Myers. He, he left for Purdue. Oh, he did. Well, yeah, you can Carter's. cut that out. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> you can cut that out then. Um, <laughs> but I did, I did. I was trying to spring him out just because of Braxton Myers, um, Ole Miss safety signing. Um, yeah. But I do think Lane Kiffin has built a pretty good staff, um, especially when it comes to recruiting. I do think Golden will be able to adjust pretty well. All right, you're there in Dallas. Uh, are they? Are they? Is the morning period over, or are they? They. How do people feel about what happened with the Cowboys? Because there was a period there where people thought this was a Super Bowl team, and it certainly was a Super Bowl defense, but uh, they they didn't they didn't make it. Is everybody over it, or is it still gnashing of teeth? Um, yeah, I don't think Cowboys fans. It's weird because it's two sides of the coin. You know, I don't think they ever get over it. But it's almost become an expectation that even when things are going right, things are going to end badly. Uh, this kind of what has happened the past few years. You know, they can't get over that hump. Some people want McCarthy gone. Some people want Dan Quinn as a coach. There's some talk that maybe they should fire McCarthy and trade a first-round pick for Sean Payton. I mean, there's just all this different stuff uh, going on. But, yeah, it's almost, I am a Cowboys fan, so um, I can kind of speak from personal experience. I kind of almost expect the worst, almost, to say. But it was kind of a – you went from a high – after that Buccaneers game, you know, being Tom Brady, finally could get that monkey off her back. And then the low of, you know, losing to a seventh round rookie quarter. He played well. And Brock Purdy did have his moments this year, but, you know, it's a game you probably should win. Um, yeah, it's, I'm not sure they'll ever get over it, but, you know, it's uh, kind of the expectation around here, unfortunately. Well, listen, I really appreciate the time. I know you've been super busy. I know February will, at yeah. least in terms of the road and that kind of thing, slow down a little bit. I know you still have a lot of work to do, but uh, you're going to get a, a well-deserved uh, mini break <laughs> here. So enjoy it. Thanks so much for the time. And we look forward to doing this again too, soon and kind of continuing this rapport as uh, we get started on the 2024 yeah. class. Yeah, have me on any time. Appreciate you having me. That's Cole Patterson. Cole, thanks, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Our uh, thanks to Cole for his time. Next up, Chase Parham talks with former Ole Miss beat writer, Clarion Ledger sports editor, Hugh Kellenberger, now a college basketball and golf editor for The Athletic. They discuss the Ole Miss basketball job, where it stands moving forward, and the college basketball coaching landscape as well. They also dive into the situations with Chris Beard, Will Wade, and others. So enjoy. Here's Chase and Hugh Kellenberger.
Hugh Kellenberger from The Athletic, editor for college basketball, golf as well. Hugh, good to see you. I'm sure that, you know what, I, I reached out the other day and I know you thought, I, I miss beat writing, I miss sports editing in Mississippi, covering Ole Miss and State. I mean, I, I'm sure you thought about all the old good times as I uh, as I reached out. Yo, it's it's a weird thing. Like you and I were catching up a little bit before we started, and like I, I've now been gone from the Clarion Ledger for four and a half years, and it feels like about forty in terms of like how much the names and faces have changed. Like Matt and Luke was the coach when I left. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, and it was going like I can't even remember how it was going. Probably not totally great but like um yeah it's never uh i would say like mississippi it was never boring there was like we you know you always like in this business like you either want the team to be awesome or terrible and the murky middle is where like everybody's just mediocre is the problem and the programs there have a way of even when they are in that mediocre murky middle of still being weird and interesting and strange things happening that always made it um get something to write about yeah you know it's, it, it is because yeah there's there's mediocrity at times depending on the sport but for guys like you who are trying to elevate and go through i mean i'm 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 feeling really old this year because i'm starting i think year 18 covering baseball here in a couple of weeks but um it, you, you're going to get plenty of sideshow stuff. They're always going to be something. I mean, right now, if you're just covering the state, you've got the Brett Favre and all the family first stuff. You've got anything actually going on to the playing field. There's always that extra news story that can get you through and get some clips and, and kind of keep your juices flowing a little bit. Yeah. You're never, um, you're rarely like caught in the position of having to just like make uh, up a storyline. Like they just naturally, like, even just, like, the freeze years when you and I were together on the football beat, like, if you just, like, had sat down at the end of the year and been like, here's everything that happened over the course of this season, like, it sometimes was just insane. There was never, like, a dull week where it was like, well, they're getting ready to play Kentucky, and uh, game week went totally normal. Mm -hmm. Are you, all jokes aside, you got a pretty cool job, basketball, golf. I know basketball's always been a passion of yours in, in a lot of ways at the college level. Do you ever just sort of miss going to things more beat writing in some ways, or are you completely content on what you're doing? Yeah, sure. I, you know, like I wasn't when I left, I wasn't necessarily like looking to leave. I was kind of thinking like, hey, this is you know, like this could be my life. This is this is my future, and like I'm okay with that. And mm -hmm. but the the chance to cover national college basketball was so interesting, and and work for the athletic company that I had like admired from afar for a while at that point, and then to watch it grow now. Like I, I get to travel when it's really, really cool. Like I went to the final four mm -hmm. last year. That was my second final four. So like if I think that was the first basketball games that I had seen live since the start of the pandemic. And it was, you know, Duke and Carolina and Kansas and Villanova and I'm courtside in the Superdome that's sold out. It's like, this doesn't suck. This is okay. Yeah uh you know my like golf schedule this year like i know i'm gonna go to a couple majors like it's like and go hang out at bay hill in orlando in a couple of weeks it's like all right like this is pretty great um i get to go to the really really cool stuff and then uh when it's meeting you know average sec team versus average sec team on a tuesday night 
and the roads are icy, I'm watching safely from my office. It can turn it off when it's over. And or before it's over, no, and I'm just bored of it. Yeah, and absolutely no Ole Miss Delaware Tuesday night baseball where Mike's pissed at, at the end of a 3-2 game. So, yeah, oh, I never went to those games anyways. Yeah, well, <laughs> as, as Mike would have told you. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Mike Mike would have gladly told you I, I was not there for those anyways. So. Podcast brought to you in part by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C, two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the 1 Gig, the Powers, the Clark Florida Studio, your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's nespark.com, 662-238-3159, phone service, portal controls, network security, and much more. So to get the best internet in Lafayette County, also parts of Union and Pontotoc counties, that's 662-238-3159. Remind me to say something about Pat Kelsey in a second. We're uh, also brought to you by Solutions RX. It's a uh, probiotic multivitamin supplement company created by Ole Miss Pharmacy alum Chris Cornelison. It's pharmaceutical grade, manufactured uh, right here inside Mississippi. If you take diabetes medicine, high blood pressure medication, cholesterol medications, they can cause side effects like muscle pain, brain fog, energy loss, due to a depletion of minerals and vitamins in the body. But uh, Chris formulated a product that's called Prescription Support, puts those vitamins back into your body, uh, helps with those side effects, makes you more compliant in taking your meds, helps you stay healthier over the long term. SolutionsRx.com, promo code OEP at checkout. Get 10% off your order. A-Stock Auctions is a Nashville-based online auction company with the mission to provide customers the power to name their price. All items at A-Stock start at just a dollar. That's right. Every item starts at just one dollar. Shop now at astock.bid. Download their app. Name your price on thousands of items from big name retailers. Um, A-Stock has multiple locations around Nashville that offer local pickups. So if you don't don't miss out, if you want it, bid it, win it. We're also brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. Different names, same great products and services. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer. 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. Uh, the College Corner is your one-stop Rebel Shop. Two locations in the uh, Jackson area in Ridgeland. It's next to Fleet Feet and Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, just go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. They have the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. Walk-On's Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads, um, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Check them out in Oxford or Ridgeland today. And uh, if you haven't tried Dead Soxy, now's the time. DeadSoxy.com, best socks you'll ever put on your feet. Uh, go to uh, deadsoxy.com into the promo code Rebel Grove at checkout. Get 25% off all orders, including sale items, at deadsoxy.com. Guys, Valentine's Day is just around the corner, so get that special lady something she will love at Style Assembly, Women's Boutique on the Square, offering clothes, shoes, purses, jewelry, sunglasses, and more. They know all women aren't built the same, so they carry sizes ranging from extra small to 2XL. Also, know that all budgets aren't built the same, so they offer a variety of price points as well. Ladies can create a wish list in the store or over the phone. It's left on file. Guys can call, stop by, pick something off the list. She's guaranteed to love. It's a win-win. They'll even wrap it up and have it waiting on you. They sell gift cards, take the guesswork out of buying. And if you're not in Oxford, no problem. They ship. Simply place a DM 
Order that way. Stop by 203 North Lamar next to Blind Pig in Oxford or call the store 662-638-3163. Ask for Kate. She's the owner and she will personally help you out at Style Assembly. Were you surprised they won it last year? Um, knowing that program? I think so. I mean, Mike's a really good coach. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, and I, I, I don't know any of the dynamics of the team and it, you know, even from afar, you can't get that stuff off of television. But like I always said, the, the the first team that went to Omaha made it to Omaha because they were strong-willed personality enough to kind of ignore Mike when Mike got a little bit too tight. They could stay loose even when he wasn't, and that kind of player-led culture mattered. And so I don't know, like if that was the case with this group, but it it like it felt like they were having fun. He's loosened up. He's, he has, yeah. he is, uh, he, he, he learned it in actually like 18, 19 and he has, he has loosened up. Anyway, it's not why I called you, uh, basketball, obviously Ole Miss is in a uh, pretty rough stretch right now. One and eight in the SEC going into Saturday's road trip to Nashville to face Vanderbilt. We all know the writing on the wall and where this is headed. Having the knowledge of the country, the conference, and then the intimate knowledge of Ole Miss over the years, where do you sort of see this, this Ole Miss job in, President day, present day ability, but then even ceiling or just what would be theoretically possible. I mean, it's a better arena, obviously. They're in the pavilion for a few years now. They pay. I mean, Kermit's making 3-1, 3-2, something like that. But then as we talk about, I'd written something last week about kind of the business dynamics of it. Ole Miss, since the 1930s, they've only five times had two winning conference records in a row. Right. Yeah. I don't think that a uh, past is a predictor of the future when it comes to college basketball, particularly right now in this moment in men's college basketball with uh, the way the transfer portal and NIL has changed things. Obviously it's done that for every sport, but you think about it with like football, like how many players do you have to get out of the transfer portal? How much do you have to devote to NIL to spread it around, to sprinkle it around all of those guys? And then also for retention on the guys that you've already recruited out of high school. You compare that to basketball, it's 13 scholarships, but nobody's actually carrying 13 guys. It's most program, major power six programs, even down to low majors now are capping out at like 10, maybe 11, because you can't keep 11, 12, 13th guy happy. So you're just, they're just wasting scholarship dollars, practice energy, and they're just going to bolt to the portal because they're not playing. And so if you're a new coach stepping into a program, you can go, hey, I need to get three, maybe four dudes out of the portal, one high school guy that I hit on, and all of a sudden I'm in business because I, I've flipped half my roster. And if a couple of the guys from the previous program were like actually pretty good and I can hold on to them, um, which you can do because at the end of the day, like guys go into the portal, but then they also come back out of the portal because if they – it's like free agency. Uh, it's easiest to re-sign with the team you're already with because that's mm -hmm. where your stuff is. Like, you, ha you have to really <laughs> want to leave. Like, your yeah. stuff's already in Oxford. Like, I might as well just stay. Um, like, you know how hard moving is. It sucks. Mm -hmm. And so if you're the right guy that has the right vision, you could absolutely, like, take off running with the arena, um, with, you know, NI you know, NIL efforts at Ole Miss are pretty good. They, like they have their stuff together in terms of an institutional approach to it. Like 
you're in the SEC, so money is not going to be a problem. Uh, the problem is, is that there are 13 other SEC programs about to be, you know, 15 that also say the same thing. And it, the league is increasingly cutthroat and they just care about basketball in a way that I would have never imagined when mm -hmm. I was covering it in, you know, 2011, 2012, 13, you know, like look at the carousel last year and the decisions that people made um, to move on and then who like the hires were like, these were not shots in the dark uh, for the most part. I think South Carolina was a little bit of a shot in the dark, um, but, you know, Florida pulling Todd Golden, um, Matt McMahon going to LSU, Dennis Gates at Missouri, like people are making really smart, savvy, Chris Johnson, Mississippi State, like people are making really good hires. And so like you could get better and still be 10th. But if 10 teams get in to the tournament, then I, I think that's okay. You know, like at least at first. Do you, and maybe there's no way to quantify this and you don't have a guess, we can move on. But, you know, in football, we talk about NIL numbers and what it takes and Ole Miss, even with their collective, they publicized that they had $10 million in the fall when they, when they hit that number. And, and, and I, I answer this however you want as far as how to quantify this, but what is a good NIL number in basketball for a year? I mean, what are we talking about raising to be at a decent level to be able to attract top 100, top 150 players? Yeah, I don't really know what that number is. I don't know if anybody really knows what mm -hmm. that number is, uh, mainly because I believe that you could take about what anybody is saying that they make an NIL and cut it in half, and it's actually probably a lot closer to the truth. Um, you know, uh, evidence, yeah. Jaden Rashada, you know, yeah, of course, Florida. Yeah. 13 million <laughs> was actually, uh, 1.3 that we can pay you in six months. Sorry. Um, not to say that those are the actual numbers, just making a joke, but, um, uh, and, and you can get creative. Um, uh, there are ways to do deals that, uh, you know, are more incentive based. Um, like, you know, Kentucky has done different things. Uh, one of Oscar Tishibiwe's deals uh, this past year was with like a local Kentucky pizza chain where he was, there was a pizza named after him. And I think he's getting like a little piece of each one they sell or, you know, the, you know, the classic, uh, all the main guys in Kentucky are driving around in uh, foreign sports cars because there's a Louisville uh, car dealer who's just handing them out to him. So, you know, SMU in the 80s sort of stuff, but, you know, yeah, yeah. it works. So, like, it's there if you can get creative. And like I said, you're only talking about, you know, and really even at Ole Miss's level, at least initially, and who you're talking about to try to bring in and who you can attract, the NIL is just we have NIL because at St. Bonaventure, they don't. If you're Keith Carter, I mean, do you? Or, I mean, we last year we saw six coaching changes. Five of them were guys coming from the mid-major ranks. Mike White being the one exception, uh, with his reset kind of to to Georgia from Florida. I mean, is that the way of things? I mean, when when Ole Miss put if if, if Keith Carter handed you a list, would you be expected to see the Dusty Mays and the Pat Kelseys and the mid-major type of names on that list? Yeah, and I don't. I don't think there would be those names, but I, I think you can get creative 
Uh, one thing that I would look at if I were Keith Carter is uh, who is the next Jerome Tang? Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Jerome Tang was Scott Drew's number two at Baylor from the moment Scott took over that program after everything that happened Dave Bliss. Like, they're I, the worst of the worst abject. No one has gone through that sort of rebuild. And Jerome was there for all of it up to winning the national championship. Could not get a look at head coaching jobs. Like, for whatever, nobody wanted to hire the assistant. Everybody wants to hire the established head coach in basketball. And so it's that, oh, well, who's the hot mid-major guy? Kansas State, Bruce Weber retires. Kansas State says, we want to be like Baylor. We're going to hire Jerome Tang. And he comes to Baylor. They're in the top, or he comes to Kansas State. First year, they're in the top 10. And like the kids are going to run through a wall for him because he has the right energy and he has the right approach and he knows how to run a program. He just hasn't been in that head chair, but he's seen it. He's seen everything. And so there's honestly like John Jacobs is the associate head coach at Baylor. Now he's been there for the last six years. He was at Gonzaga before that, like that guy knows how to run a program. Like why not give him a shot? And he knows how to run a program at a high major level. He knows what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis. He's not guessing on that part. Um, also a pretty creative offensive mind. Like that's that would probably be the one thing that I would be looking for. If you like look at what's gone wrong with Kermit, you gotta make shots. And so I'd be looking around and saying, who is running creative offense that is going to be hard for other teams in the SEC to stop, even if initially our Johnnies and Joes don't match up with their Johnnies and Joes. What's the concern with a number two, if you went that route? Because obviously they would understand recruiting. They've headed up most of this. The head guy doesn't necessarily handle that from a day-to-day -day standpoint the same way. I mean, is it is it simply not having been a face, not having run the program, those big picture things we talk about with any sport when it comes to a coaching search, or are there – more schematic, you know, more systematic things as far as, you know, managing the NIL or managing this. I mean, what what are your negatives for a number two somewhere if you hire that? Because like you said, college basketball doesn't really do it. Yeah, it's, I think it's one of those things that people just get stuck in ruts and they um, group think takes over. And if a couple of assistant coaches fail, then all of a sudden it means that all assistant coaches are going to fail. And there's some guys that aren't suited to being in the head coaching chair. It takes a different temperament. Um, that's one problem that like Kenny Payne has had at Louisville is Kenny Payne was always the good guy to John Calipari's bad guy and with the players. And so when Calipari was dragging them and making their life hell, Kenny was the guy who was putting an arm around a Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis, um, anybody else, uh, the Willie Colley Stein, all those big guys, especially Devin Booker, uh, and putting an arm around him and saying like, hey, we brought you here for a reason. You're a good player. Let's go in the gym and get to work. And you can't do that as much as you're the head coach. And so that that's probably the biggest downside is – you can pick the wrong guy who says, well, I just want to be in the gym actually like drilling down with these guys and getting an individual work. And you just can't do that if you're the head man, because you have to stay higher and, and you have a whole program to run. With my novice basketball understanding, I mean, when I watch Ole Miss and Kermit, he handles the bench in a weird way. The guys look almost skittish when they make a mistake or miss a shot and he's pulling them out and he kind of stays agitated for most of the game. It's, 
and it seems to have gotten worse as, as time goes on. And obviously that happens when they've lost, I guess now 21 of the last 26 SEC games, 25 SEC games, something like that. But you were familiar with the first part of his tenure. What do you feel like has gone wrong or why did it not work to any higher level with Herman? You know, when they made the hire, I thought Kermit Davis is obviously a good basketball coach, but I didn't know if he was the guy who could elevate Ole Miss beyond what Andy Kennedy had made it. And a lot of that was because he had come out of the mid-major ranks. And while he had consistent success in Middle Tennessee, there was not really any big signs that like Middle Tennessee was about to make some sort of uh poor man's Gonzaga push mm-hmm. into relevancy, really. Like, they were just like, a, like, oh, that team's dangerous come March. They've won a couple of times and, like, pretty consistently in their conference, really good. That's great. But it takes something more when you get to the high major level. You've got to be able to recruit at a much higher level. Um, you have to be able to make really strong evaluations. And you also have to figure out, like, what your thing is because we are disciplined and tough is it really a thing and so i think some of that has probably infected where you make when you're making evaluations when you're determining what you're going to do with your roster what you're going to do schematically if you're if what you're focusing on is this idea that you're a better coach than the guy across the sideline from you like that's probably no longer the case especially with the SEC ranking up the way that it has. And all of a sudden you're coaching against Eric Musselman and Nate Oates and just really good coaches. And so it just gets harder. And I I don't know if Kermit has adjusted and been willing to adjust because you've seen other guys, you know, sometimes it takes something bold. And I don't know if there's been anything bold. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the the portal has been a big detriment for him because you see the guys that leave and they've had pretty good success somewhere else. The guys coming in have, have either been exactly what you thought or even lagged below that level. I mean, when there's a lot of different reasons for it, but, you know, Jarkel Joyner goes for 28 against Wake or something, or this guy does this. Right. And then they just haven't been able to put it together from a roster. Where, yeah, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, it's sort of the same team that was at middle, for lack of a, you know, player or two, because you're going to get better talent in SEC school, but... For the most part, it looks like the exact same dynamic. Do you fall in a coaching search or a place like Ole Miss where they've never recruited elite nationally at all? You know, not necessarily the gimmick, but you see some coaches who put this thing together through, you know, almost traditional all-portal or international players or versus the NIL or the traditional way to recruit. Do you think there has to be a gimmick in assembling teams, or is that just simply about being adaptable to always possible to, to put that roster together? I think you have to be really adaptable. Uh, the way college basketball is now, um, you know, you have to year to year be willing to reshape who you are based off of what your roster now looks like because um, the portal give us and the portal take us. And, um, you know, so you may lose a 6'10 big and you may bring in a 6'10 big, but those two 6'10 bigs may play two completely different sort of ways. And maybe the guy you were happy to lose the guy that you lost, but the guy that you got was your third choice and one and two would have really been better for your current play style. But Hey, you needed somebody. So you take that guy, you have to be willing to go in the summer and say, okay, with what we have now, how do we win? 
and not be as uh it's more kind of an nba approach of like okay. these are our players now how do we win with them rather than trying to like bang a 19 year old square peg into a round hole you know like like you know ak ak bounced you know was like hanging on by a thread and then he he looks at his roster and he says hey i got a pretty good point guard in jarvis summers i have Reggie Buckner and Murphy Holloway that are 23-year-old men in a conference full of 18- and 19-year-old boys playing forward and center. I just need to score points. And he goes against Marshall. And suddenly they're in the display tournament. And then he replaces Marshall with Moody. All of a sudden, they're in the display tournament again. <laughs> now, when he made a – when the next evaluation, I think it was Burnett, the kid from Miami. DeAndre Burnett, yeah. DeAndre uh-huh. Burnett. When that kid wasn't any good – everything falls apart, right? Because all of a sudden, you just don't have the players anymore. And so then you lose it. But, you know, probably what Andy needed to do in retrospect was get a different kind of player that he could build around instead of looking for, like, who's the shooting guard that will come because I'll let him take 11 threes a game. Um, yeah, you see, you know, he's a UAB now and everything's running through Jelly Walker, who's a really good mid-major player. So he's having some success. Like I you kind of have to be that. So like if I were Keith, he's a basketball guy. He knows basketball. He's not like, you know, mm-hmm. he could get bold. He know runs find somebody who runs some good shit, you know. You know, what stuck out to me about the adaptability was, and I guess it was from from your shop, I was reading the the Texas story from Dana O'Neill or talking about mm-hmm. Chris Beard's team where they're just a bunch of transfers and they'll you know, sit around that table or whatever. And it's just, it's older guys and it's whatever, but it's not like they're these homegrown Longhorns that came up as the top 20 players in the country and put this team together. I mean, I found that, I found that as kind of way to shock me back into my senses ago. No, even there, it's, it's put together in a bunch of weird different ways. Um, Speaking of, what would make Chris Beard hireable? What would have to happen? That's tough. Or is there a path to that? I So there are several layers to it. Um, number one, his court case has to get resolved. Of course. Um, Without a doubt. His next, his next hearing is March 1st. If Chris Beard is hoping to coach college basketball in – 2023 24 that's not a great timeline for him because it's just going to take time and like irregardless of like you know i mean we can all kind of figure out what eventually is going to happen whether or not it's going to get dropped or whether what it looks like what it sounds like like chris beard's not going to jail we and then but it has to get resolved and then the second step is it's a university decision. That's not a Keith Carter decision. It was not a Chris Del Conte decision at Texas to fire Chris Beard. That was a University of Texas president, system administrator, board decision. And ultimately, you have to do your due diligence and research into what led them to make that decision. And what is really, really telling is how their statement when they fired Chris Beard was essentially Chris Beard doesn't get it. He doesn't understand why this was a big deal and, and is kind of fighting it. And so that if I were Ole Miss, I would have a problem with that. 
because you're looking at was this an isolated incident? Is this a man that made a mistake of man and a wife that made a fiance that they had a problem and one night and it escalated and and but we we feel really strongly that it can be an isolated incident or is this somebody who doesn't quite get it? And I, I'm not sure that Chris Beard totally gets it. And, we, and, and as far as that, how it would affect his next job, whether it's Ole Miss or wherever, not getting it and all those things. Because, look, clearly, if he does the same thing again, anything close, I mean, you're the idiot and you're out. I mean, you deserve everything you get from that standpoint. But in some ways, it goes deeper than that, right? It's just having a better understanding of how to get through it. Because this isn't one of those deals where if you don't get it, as you say, you don't just take the beating for 48 hours and let the news cycle, whatever. I mean, you're in danger of something causing a problem every single day. And then how does he go into living rooms and talk to mothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and families and go, Hey, no, I'm not that guy. If you don't really have a pretty meaningful way to explain yourself. Right. Exactly. Or right. Yes. If you don't have an explanation for it, if you, uh, if you're diminishing what happened, um, or focusing on um, her statement or the statement that was attributed to her um, rather than the original incident when um, we know that in the vast, vast, vast majority of these cases, uh, what is in the original statement in the original police report is far closer to the truth than whatever is said after the fact. Um, but then as a university, do you really want to sit there every day for how many years wondering is this the day that I get woken up by this call mm-hmm. and if it's not that is it going to be something else like is I don't think that we expect head coaches to be moralistic leaders the way that we once did but we do expect them to be leaders and is he a leader or is he a guy that's really good at coaching basketball those are two different things. Will he be able, in your opinion, to still accumulate talent the same way with this in his history now? Probably. Um, ultimately, guys want to get better. Guys want to win. Um, they want to go to the NBA. If they feel like Chris Beard is the one that can get them there, and then they all go, well, I'm only going to be there for a year anyways. Any, I can do anything for a year. I can put up with anything for a year. Um, but I I tend to think that Chris Beard's next job is not in the SEC and looks a lot more like the Southland Conference. Oh, really? Yeah, I just don't – I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean – No, I get it. I mean, like, I don't necessarily think he's hireable. I mean, I told – Neil and I have talked about this for, like, four days in a row, and I said, as we – Talk about it more and more. I get less convinced you can hire him. I frankly was more convinced on day one than I am now on day four of of talking about it. The draw would be simply that from an Ole Miss program standpoint, it might be the only way you're ever getting a sitting top 10 head coach in the country. Yes. I mean, right, wrong, or indifferent, that is the positive should you even go down that road of, you know, trying to discover what is going on. Right. And then, you know, but then you also – you take a really long look at everything too. And you go like, he had great success at Texas tech. There was like everything he did at Texas tech worked. He went to Texas and he had a ton of talent on that roster and they lost four out of their last five games. And then the second, you know, first round of the big 12 tournament, they're out. 
second round of the tournament, they're out. Well, the guy that ran his defense that made them Texas Tech is now the head coach of Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Like, is Mark Adams coming to Oxford with him? No. <laughs> so <laughs> you you that all comes out, like, right? Like you have to think about it all. Like, who who are you hiring? Is he gonna be a top ten head coach in five years? Or was he a guy who right now at this very moment, but he's on the downward? Or do you try to go, hey, let's take a shot on somebody? that we feel like does have the potential to be a top 10 head coach. And then we're Ole Miss and we've proven with Lane Kiffin that we can retain, that we can compete and we can raise salaries and we can be competitive and be creative and do those things to make this the place that he wants to stay at. And the thing with college basketball is that like the top jobs don't turn over that often. Duke just hired a new head coach. UNC just hired a new head coach. Like those blue blood jobs like don't, open up a ton so guys do are willing to create like carve out niches at places where they like feel like they can be successful because you know baylor won the national championship a couple years ago like the the ceiling isn't the same yeah and i mean Ole miss will pay for winners i mean in basketball keith will absolutely pay if it gets to that i mean look at it lane kiffin's a top 10 salary now in the country Mike Bianco is the second highest paid coach in the country for a sport the SEC at least cares about. So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I, I get that all the way around. I, I think it's a fascinating coaching search just in general to see what, I mean, again, assuming Kermit does end up losing his job and it's hard to find a path right now for that not to be the case. Um, so you, your guess is, is Chris Beard coaches in 24, not 23. If I told yes. you to take a shot. Yes. I think, um, I think it follows a very Hugh Friesian career path from here. Okay. There's, there's a good comparison there right down to the, like, does he get it? Yeah. You know, and frankly, and I think freeze is going to be a good soldier at Auburn and win football games. I think he's going to give them exactly what they want from a off field standpoint and he'll be fine. Oh yeah. Boosters are about to see a ton of football practice at Auburn, man. All the prayer breakfast, all the stuff he's in. But I think it's a very similar path of, I think he was out for a year, maybe two, then, you know, goes to Liberty and, and it wasn't just one year at Liberty in order to get out. It took him several. So I, I think it's something like that. Show calls or is Will Wade going to coach again at some point? Um, Wade is probably show calls out of college basketball. That's what it feels like. The the, uh, the NCAA does not have an appetite to punish players for the mistakes that adults made a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have an appetite to run bad actors out of the sport, and the show cause is the best, most effective way for them to do that. So I think, yeah, we will see uh, Will Wade... Um, essentially handed will end up being a lifetime ban. A weird team we saw in Oxford this week, Kentucky beating Ole Miss. How much longer is Cal at UK? Mm. I think it changes on the week. Okay. Because uh, he has you know, to choose were... to leave. Yeah, pretty much. Contractually. I, I, I don't. I don't think uh, if he said I want to leave, 
Kentucky is uh, rushing to give him a contract extension in order to get him to stay. Sure. But he'd have to also have someone hire him. Like his name got floated very early at Texas. And there are reasons why his name got floated very early at Texas. At the same time, like I understand why that makes sense for John Calipari. That did, I don't understand why that would make sense for Texas. And that's kind of the problem that Calipari is in, in that his, his salary is so high, um, you know, pushing up on the 10 million and like who is paying that for the last five years. And so it's probably this weird um, downward trend. Um, I do think we'll see a major uh, overhaul of the assistant coaching staff because that's his uh, maybe a bigger problem than um, his anything else that he has right now is that there's nobody on that staff that's adding anything. Like from the scouting perspective, from a recruiting perspective, like just nobody, like it's, it's guys that are su- supposed to be recruiters, but it's Kentucky. You're getting those kids anyways. And, but they're also not giving you anything the rest of the week. So and he needs that. He needs somebody to come in and, um, you know, at least bring the offense up into the 2010s. Yeah, because, look, I mean, talent acquisition is not the issue. They've got this recruiting class coming in. It's maybe one of the best ever or whatever it is they've put together from that standpoint. So, I mean, it's possible Kentucky gets the right assistant coaches and he could have them back up there again. I mean, you don't feel like it's – it's they're in purgatory or anything. It is repairable. No, 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 no. It's, it's uh, extremely repairable as long as he is willing to listen to whoever he hires. Um, It it probably is not unlike um, Saban at Alabama when he chose to brought in Lane as his Mm -hmm. offensive coordinator and had to decide to listen to Lane and let the offense evolve and not be, um, you know, the very kind of pro-style, take-no-chances approach that he had for a couple of years there where the QB almost didn't matter until they lost because the QB kind of sucked. Um, you know, he would it would take that sort of person at Kentucky because then you have you, – they still have the number one recruiting class coming in despite everything else going on, and they're always going to be a top uh, de- destination for transfer portal kids because of the NIL. How's your golf game? Uh, you know, um, it's like anybody's <laughs> golf game. I can tell you the uh, three or four really good shots I had every round. I can also tell you about the half dozen I had that um, made me want to quit. Quit it. How's yours? Okay. Uh, I this is it's really sad. I used to play nonstop, and I have played. I think I looked it up the other day. I think I've played five rounds in the last ten months, and three of those were either in Hattiesburg or Omaha. So yeah. I have played four courses over the last year more than I've played my home course. You know, I mean, but I'm busy. I mean, I, I don't. I'm well, that, right. That's the thing is, we we get to this age. It's very hard to um, find three or four hours. Like the course I play the most is a par sixty four executive course. Uh, that's like three minutes down the road for me because I can go out there and play, and I can get it done in two and a half hours. It's like, is it the best course in the world? Absolutely not. Um, do I get bored of it at times? Certainly. Can I know that I can show up and play and get around 18 holes in a decent amount of time? Yep. 
And a lot of times that ends Done. up, that's, that's what I can do, you know? It, I think I'm right on this. I mean, jumping out of the PJ Tour for a second, I'll let you go. Yeah. Is this live thing, and I don't really want to talk about live because it kind of bores me at this point, but in general, what I find fascinating is everybody who has gone over to live, and I get that not a ton of just complete in their prime guys we were obsessing over are, are there, but when the PGA Tour came back around, I found myself, and I mean, I, I know I'm a little more of a junkie than probably the average golf fan, but I just picked up the new young guy and I paid more attention to them. I don't feel like I'm missing any of those people whatsoever. I don't feel like there's something, I mean, maybe there's some big event where I'm going to get some jonesing for Justin Johnson or something. I don't know. But for the most part, that's fine. I, I, I'll, I'll pull a little more for Hayden Buckley or Will Zalatoris or somebody, and I'll just replace it right there and be okay. That's sort of where this thing is headed in general, right? Is we just go move on to the next and ignore it? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I it's, mean. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like um, I'm a big Braves fan. They lost Freddie Freeman, and I was really upset about them losing Freddie Freeman. And then the season rolled around, and I started rooting for the Braves again, just as hard as I ever had before. And this is ultimately I'm rooting for the laundry. And, like, you know, the PGA Tour, the golfers don't have uniforms, but it's kind of the same concept. You, um, There's an inertia to it to where, like, I know – what this looks like. I know where they're going to go. I know what the schedule looks like. I know what channels it's going to be on. I know some of the golfers that are going to be there. And even if I don't know all the golfers that are going to be there, I'll probably turn it on and then end up just rooting for a guy that ends up catching my interest. Anyways, Liv's biggest problem is that it's just quiet. Like, sorry, CW is not a good TV deal. Um, you know, the off season was supposed to be the biggest part of their thing right like they were going to revolutionize the way that pro golf all season looks like because they were going to be coming and going and trades and signings and up and they went absolutely silent from the moment their championship was over until like i guess two weeks from now when their season starts i don't even know and like it's bad courses um they're playing an event in orlando at orange county national at uh, uh one of the courses that are called crooked cat i've played crooked cat it's like a I can go there this weekend and play it for $90. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly fine. It is probably the third or fourth best public golf option in the city of Orlando. But that's where you're going in Orlando? This, like, it doesn't make it, none of it makes any <laughs> sense. So how much longer is it funded? Because at some point, the, 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 the backers aren't getting out of it what they want to get out of it. And it's... I get they have unlimited money and all that stuff, but at some point it still makes no sense to even put your time there, right? Um, yeah, I mean, eventually it, they lose interest in it. I don't know if it, like, shuts down forever or it just starts to look different. I don't – I disagree. Brendan Quinn, our lead golf writer, wrote, like, a really fascinating story. Um, it's a sports story where every source was an international politics expert. And they all basically agreed that this is not sports washing. This is a flex. Like this is about the kingdom proving the might of the kingdom. And so it's not about their reputation. It's about domination. And so I, when you have that mindset um, and you're talking about a guy in MBS it's a story that he bought some painting and this painting was like 
$300 million. It is this rare, amazing, the art world is a buzz about that this painting even exists. He buys it and then puts it on his yacht. Like, that's just a man who likes to flex for the sake of flexing. <laughs> and so I don't think he's just going to be like, ah, it didn't work, bye. I think the unlimited money allows him to just kind of keep on pumping dollars at it and then try to figure out um, where it goes from there. I, I think the CW deal was a big misstep. The one thing they had was uh, distribution. Like the one thing they had was that anybody could find it on YouTube, including non-golf fans. And they, they're they touting this like, well, CW has a very young demographic. You know what also has a very young demographic? YouTube. Mm-hmm. My 12-year-old watches YouTube all day, every day. And so do all of his buddies. And if you can get the algorithm to spit out live golf at it, you got a shot. Yeah, this the CW, anybody anywhere close to our age or even younger, they go, what is that about? And it's like, oh, so that's where all the teen soaps was. That's all we know. Like, that's that's what the CW was or is. It's And then you see they don't even meter on the weekends. There's no way to even know ratings. And it's like, okay, well, great. Which was I'll, probably I'll, I'll actually see. really important to live because I think it was embarrassing that people could sit there and go, wait, only 20,000 people watched that final round? Yeah. So no, I, 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 I do think that was like a neat little bonus for Liv. Yeah, I find the flex interesting from the standpoint of at some point, and, and while I, I think I, I completely agree with you, the flex is interesting because at some point, though, he's just pumping monies into something that's such a known loser that it's like the anti-flex, that I paid all these guys and it still has made zero impact in the right. country whatsoever. I mean, okay, great. I mean, and look, I mean, and I, it's fun. It's kind of funny watching some golf reporters do it and players and whatever. It's not like the PGA is with, you know, beyond reproach. I mean, they have issues themselves a plenty, but it's our known quantity. Okay, sure. Yeah. I know all the courses. When you go to Riviera, I'd rather do that than Crooked Cat. Sounds good. Let's watch that. Yeah. So, well, and like there was app, there's appetite for a lot of what they proposed, like a smaller golf schedule um team events uh even you know uh playing less than 72 holes or a shotgun start that allows it to get done in a concise manner like a lot of that really makes sense because it was created by the pgl and the saudis just stole the concept and went along and left the pgl guy like holding the bag an empty bag that he has nothing left the problem is uh in the execution of it, having Greg Norman run the thing, having the money be where it's coming from, and then who they recruited being a bunch of scoundrels and bad guys that are really hard. They're really hard to root for, and they're really hard to care about. Like, it's one thing for me to watch Brooks Kepka on Sunday at the, you know, players competing against Justin Thomas and I have that good guy, bad guy element. It's another thing to turn on live and watch Brooks Kepka compete with Bryson DeChambeau or Dustin Johnson or Patrick Reed and be like, so it's bad guy versus bad guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah I don't yeah. care about either of these guys. Like, yeah. And they become even more bad because they're curating dip by going. So somebody who you're already kind of like, ah, whatever, he's the heel. And he's just kind of the scumbag, not as a person, but, you know, whatever. It's just not, yeah, you're not getting the Rory, the Justin, the whatever to to take that out. Uh, completely last thing. This I, I see more guys have added on to this uh, thing Tiger and Rory are doing. What the hell is it, and is it going to work with whatever it's trying to do? So 
it is essentially uh, they'll hit their drives. The way I understand it, it will be essentially a studio show. Um, it'll be slickly produced. I'm pretty sure it'll be like taped and then edited and cut down to then air in a concise manner. So that will help speed things up. Okay. But that they'll essentially this week we're playing this course. They'll hit balls into a simulator that shows, and then they'll have to chip and putt on an actual chipping and putting green. So you'll see them do that part live. I don't know. Look, it has a shot. Okay. Um, big names. Big concise television windows. Um, mm. It's going to look different than normal PGA Tour golf. Uh, and it also will be on prime time. And so I think the appeal is to younger audiences. It's mm -hmm. like a, you know, real attempt, you know, and then also like make the guys more human. And, you know, like I thought it was really interesting uh, CBS over the weekend, Max Homa was walking up the green at thing 13th or walking up the like 13th. He had an AirPod in and was talking to them, talking to the announcing team, like as he's playing, like, it's not crazy. It's like a three minute walk from, you know, the tee box to his second shot, like talk. And then he kept oh, it in and kept on going. And so like anything that they can do like that, I think actually will help. Um, whether or not it'll be successful, probably ultimately matter. Like how are we determining success? What is success to them? Yeah. Give me one name that Ole Miss should look at. To replace Kermit? Yep. Uh, I'm going to give you one that you probably uh, don't know, maybe new to the listeners. Ben McCollum. Do you know who that is? I do not. He is the national uh, title winning coach at Northwest Missouri State, which is a Division II school in Kansas. Or, sorry, Missouri, obviously. Missouri, Kansas, that's all kind of murky middle. Uh, he is running some of the most revolutionary offense in the game and high major D one coaches are stealing from him like crazy. Uh, Marquette currently has uh, the most efficient offense in the country, um, which runs counter to everything we know about Shaka smart and havoc defense being his thing for him to have the number one offense. Um, he basically stole it from Ben McCollum. So nobody's hired him because hiring a division two coach feels like you're waving a white flag. Um, and he also doesn't want to, he wants to remain a head coach. So he hasn't, he's had plenty of offers to go be a high major assistant, hasn't done it because he wants to remain a head coach. Like if you wanted to get truly weird and say, you know what, like, what's the downside, right? Like we're 13th in the SEC right now. So what's the downside? Let's take a shot. That would be one guy to take a shot on. Yeah. Appreciate it, bud. As always. Thank you. Salty. All right. So our thanks to both uh, Cole Patterson and Hugh Kellenberger for their time on the show today. This will be up in podcast form on Friday as the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Speaking of, we'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. We'll recap Ole Miss Vanderbilt basketball, discuss whatever else comes up from the sports weekend ahead. Thanks for making our show a part of your day, a part of your week. We certainly appreciate you. Uh, for Chase Parham, I'm Neil McCready. Have a great weekend. Good night. The headlines remind us daily, 
The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com